KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The collapse of that condo building near Miami, Florida has led to a heart wrenching search for survivors with still dozens of people missing. And of course, there is the investigation into how such a terrifying thing could happen. We wanted to learn about what investigators will be looking for and how long it could take before we get answers. So we reached out to Dr. Abby Agayare. He is a professor of structural engineering at Drexel University. Really interesting conversation. Give a listen. So. I have heard of houses collapsing, row homes collapsing, but to have a building like this, I think it was a dozen stories, concrete, fail like this, is this unprecedented in modern times? I can't think of anything where there wasn't an explosion or obviously 9-11, you know, to just have a building fail like this. How unprecedented is this? I think it's it's unprecedented. I mean, it, we don't want our buildings to collapse. Uh, that's why we have engineers design the buildings according to uh, to uh, the precepts in the code. So it is unprecedented. As we sit here, June thirtieth, what are the investigators looking for? I mean, obviously, the first priority is the search and rescue. As we're talking, is continue yeah. looking for survivors. But as far as the puzzle to what happened, what are some things they are looking for to help shed light on the puzzle of how this could happen? So uh, some of the things uh, they will consider will be the original set of documents, contract documents, the original design drawings. They will look at all of that. They will not make the assumption that the design was done correctly. They're going to just go in there with an open mind. They're coming there with an open mind. They're not going to be speculating or uh, or have biases come into uh, their uh, deliberations. Basically, they're going to go there with an open mind. They will check the original drawings and figure out whether the design was done correctly, whether they design errors. Because when we look at, I teach a course called uh, Forensic Structural Engineering at Drexel. Uh, they're different types of errors that we consider design errors okay was that an error in the original design or uh, was there an error in the construction of the of the uh, project is there a material deficiency was there a material deficiency did the concrete strength that was specified was one thing was the concrete strength in the structure at the time it collapsed were there operational errors or maintenance errors uh, things like that. So they will look at that. They will look at the original set of, of drawings. And then the other things they will look at, they will look at all the uh, combinations of factors that can bring a building like this down. They will look at an explosion too, right? It will, you know, uh, was there an explosion that brought a column or s- series of columns down? Then they will look at the structure itself and the foundation. Uh, did the foundation fail? Uh, what about the, the bedrock that the foundation sits on? Uh, did that fail? Is that sound? Uh, they will look at the structure. This, this structure is called a flat slab construction. And flat slab construction is very susceptible to punching shear. Punching just means that you have the slab sitting on the column, and because of the load on the slab, the column punches through. And uh, the slab is thickened you know, at the column location they're going to find out, they're going to uh, ask themselves, did the slab fail in punching shear? And if it did, 
what did the original design say? If the original design was okay, then they might say, well, was the slab deteriorated and the rebar deteriorated due to corrosion to the point that the, the depth or thickness of the slab that we had at those connections was lower now than when it was first built. So they will look at all of that. Uh, one of the things that's uh, very unique to this building, because it's a flat slab construction, was that it did not have what we call structural integrity reinforcement. Structural integrity reinforcement, you can just um, think of it as a, almost like a cable. You string a cable along all the column lines so that if the slab fails due to punching, it hangs on that cable. That cable is called rebar. I mean, it's gonna be rebar that you just string along the column, column lines or column strip as we call it. This building did not have structural integrity reinforcement. And in fairness, that was not part of the code until 1989. But buildings like this now, when they're built, have, have this structural integrity reinforcement so that if there's a failure from punching shear, the slab can hang on and, and don't fall or pancake on the slab below. And then the two of the slabs pancake on the slab below and so on. And we get what we call a progressive collapse. That's what we don't want. That's what happened in this building. It just came down. It's almost like a controlled demolition. So they will look at all of that. They will look at all of the different failure, possible failure scenarios, and then eliminate them based on the evidence, based on evidence they collect on site, and based on evidence that they have in the contract drawings. And you mentioned uh, the possibility of an explosion at some point. That has not that is not something that has been ruled out uh, that, you know, some kind of a gas explosion in the middle of the building that led to the to the collapse. So it that there is possible that there was some kind of circumstance that that started this. Yeah, I mean it's possible. They have to look at it. They have to look at it because if there's an explosion, that can take out several columns and then the building comes crashing down. Then they need to also investigate the columns themselves without the explosion and say, okay, are the columns, do the columns have enough strength in them that they could not have been overloaded or you know they, they could have taken the load? The other thing they, they, they will look at too is there were roof repairs going on at this time. Did that contribute in any way? They will interview the, uh, they will interview the folks uh, we're doing the repair, you know, look at what equipment they were using. Did that in any way contribute uh, to this collapse? So they will not, uh, they're going to invest, they're going to leave no stone unturned, uh, put it that way. But uh, they're not going to come there with a preconceived notion. They're just going to investigate everything, sort of do what we call divergent thinking, and then hopefully converge on the cause or causes of the collapse. You mentioned bedrock, you mentioned the ground. I mean, obviously, so much attention to the structural questions. Will the environment be looked at? Salt water. We've heard a lot of talk, anecdotal talk, that there was there always seemed to be water in the bottom of the parking garage, even when it wasn't raining. I, I would imagine there's a possibility that we could have environmental factors as well. The, definitely. I mean, that would be looked at. Uh, the salt uh, water and the, and the moisture from the seawater sea uh, does impact uh, also the strength of the structure because uh, if it degrades the material, degrades the concrete and degrades the steel, the, the reinforcing steel, uh, that will then uh, reduce the strength that we have in the structure. Uh, it will become lower than what we designed it, what they designed it to be. 
And so, yes, that would definitely be looked at uh, as to whether that even had an impact on the foundation. Uh, they would look at that as well. So right now it's a pile of rubble. Investigators are searching for clues. How difficult a job will it be to piece together what is a critical clue this piece of concrete from a a you know a, a critical beam or stuff like that i mean i know obviously very well trained very sophisticated but this has got to be an incredibly difficult job to try to find important clues in a pile of rubble like this yeah this is very difficult and and it is concrete as well but i i believe that they will find i mean you know the collapse uh, does leave some telltale signs. I mean, the one, the one I remember is the 1981 uh, Kansas City High Earth Regency walkway collapse. And they were able to locate uh, the clue right within the rubble of why the, uh, you know, why that collapse happened. So I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that as they sift through, yeah, what, you know, the rubble, which is huge, it's a pile of rubble uh, that they will you know, they will be able to find out what actually caused this collapse. One of the things I've noticed, a collapse like this, from a media standpoint, it goes from something that no one pays any attention about. The pendulum swings the entire other way, where you've got reporters out looking at other buildings and pointing to cracks and saying, is that a problem? How much concern, I mean, we should all be alarmed and there should be prudence, but people going too far and worrying about things that if you know what you're talking about, aren't really problems. If I'm making sense. Yeah. The way concrete behaves, concrete, what we call reinforced concrete, reinforced concrete takes the good properties of concrete by itself and takes the good properties of steel and combines them together. When you design reinforced concrete, uh, you know, technically speaking, the concrete has to crack first before the steel wakes up and, and starts to pick up the tension force that's in the concrete. So concrete does crack, but the question is what type of crack is it and how wide is the crack? How big is the crack? That's where the issue is coming because if your crack is wide, then you could get uh, corrosive elements going in there to corrode your river. So concrete does crack. That's why we call it reinforced concrete. Without the cracking, happening. We, in fact, when we design it, when we do the, the calculations, we assume that the concrete is fully cracked in what we call the tension zone. So not every crack that's out there is going to be of concern. It just depends on where's the crack. For example, if I see a beam that has a crack that's an, at an angle, an inclined crack towards near the support, I'll be worried. But if that crack, if I see a beam that has uh, a vertical crack, small vertical crack, uh, near the support, that may not, that, you know, I, I, you know, I will have to investigate it, but that may not be of huge concern. Then if I start seeing it going at an angle, that becomes like a sheer crack. And that, that will worry me uh, quite a bit. I know this is Miami and I'm sure every jurisdiction, every state, every county, it's different. But about how often are buildings like this inspected? I know we've heard some stuff that it was coming up for its 40 year you know, uh, inspection or something, but how often do engineers, experts walk through and, you know, talk about, well, let's, we need to keep an eye on that or 
that's something to look for or boy, this we've got a problem here? <laughs> that's a very good question because buildings are usually not inspected at all after they're built, unless you want to uh, you want to, you know, add a portion to the building or you, you know, something failed in the building and you are uh, retrofitting the building and therefore you need to go for a permit. Uh, that's the only time uh, the authorities will come in there to inspect and do those types of things. Otherwise, typically buildings are just not inspected on a periodic basis. Uh, and that is why in my suggestion is that for example, balconies, uh, think about balconies. Balconies are exposed to the exterior elements and a balcony can fail without you knowing because the rot and the corrosion and all of that is happening without anybody seeing it because it's all hidden within the wall. Uh, this happened in Beckley uh, a few years ago uh, where six students died You know, when they were on the balcony. The wood was rotted already where the wood came into the wall, the wood beams but nobody knew about it because it was all covered. So exposed structures like that, I believe should be inspected on a periodic basis. Same thing with parking garages. They're subjected to the elements. After all, bridges are inspected every two, two years or so. So why won't parking garages and balconies that people, you know, balconies is what we call a, a non-redundant structure, meaning that if it fails, it just goes. It doesn't have any reserve at all. So I believe that balconies, those types of structures should be inspected, elements, structural elements should be inspected and, and parking garages should be inspected. And buildings that are in corrosive environments like we have here in the coast, you know, coast of Florida should be inspected not every 40 years. I believe 10 to 15 years should be kind of like the ballpark number because codes change as well. If codes change, and you need to provide, for example, this structural integrity reinforcement that was not in the code in 1981, I believe that they need to go back to find a way to try to bring some of these buildings up to, up to speed with the new code, because this is a, a safety issue. It's not an economy issue. It's not like, oh, if, if, you, if you add this reinforcement, it's going to be cheaper now. No, this is a safety issue. So I believe that buildings that are not up to par with the new code should be brought up to that level. Should every city, town, and county in America be standing up and starting to be proactive to that point? Because, uh, you know, I mean, that's the, this isn't even like a structure, like the Empire, a huge structure where there's only a handful of them. I think every town with... <laughs> 10,000 people probably has at least one building that's, you know, a dozen stories tall. Yeah. I mean, should we have across a, a kind of a national conversation to your point of inspection and universal codes? And we need to look at this and be proactive uh, because, I mean, if it happened once, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're talking about hundreds of people right now, families and probably hundreds of families, if not thousands, impacted by this. So this is not something that we want to repeat uh, or repeat it. Uh, not here, not anywhere actually in the world. Uh, so I, I, yes, I believe that buildings should be inspected. You know, uh, cities can decide. 10 to 15 years is what I will just suggest because codes change. 
uh, they can decide. But 40 years just seems way too out there, you know, uh, for a building that was in such a corrosive environment. The other thing I will add is that for a structure like this, uh, I believe that we should have peer reviews. Uh, this was a 12-story building, uh, you know, a dozen stories. Uh, we should have peer reviews where you have structural engineer and design the building. The owner contracted with that structural engineer. I believe that this the city or the jurisdiction should have the owner pay for another structural engineer that the city either engages to review the design so that we can, you know, you, you, you have two eyes looking at this design. I mean, if a structure collapses, uh, that's, it's catastrophic. HVAC is important. The elevator is important. All of those things are important. The elevators are inspected every, every year. So, and, and elevators are important. What about the structure? What about the skeleton of the structure that holds the structure in place? I think that there should be more attention paid to it from you know, new designs, peer reviews for new designs, as well as inspections of existing buildings you know, after so many years. How much do you think, and we talk about this being unprecedented, it is hard to get your mind around this happening. And how much does that, the fact that it's not something you can project, kind of work against putting a lot of these things in place it until it happens it's hard to imagine it happening am i am i making sense there that that yeah. kind of works against it yeah i mean there would be two sides to it or many sides more than two sides to it i would say well it's going to cost money uh but I, I i imagine i imagine that what i just suggested if you were to go to all the families that have been impacted by this and say well it was going to cost one million dollars more or x you know, thousand dollars more to do a peer review of this structure when it was originally designed. It was going to cost X thousand dollars more uh, if you uh, if you inspect this building uh, more often than the forty years. I, I, I think I you know they will say yes, go for it. You know they'll rather have their family members here, right? So I mean, how much how much one death is is one too many? I mean, that's just my my thought about this. Uh, even if if it's just one, it's one too many. People shouldn't be dying in the building that they live in and sleep in. Are there any? Philadelphia is an old city. A lot of buildings, you know, being an older city, maybe not the environmental factors we saw in Florida. But what should be the level of concern here? Uh, I mean, we've had how, like I said, we've had houses, row homes collapse and stuff like that but you know what what should be the level of alarm that's set off with officials in the city of philadelphia i, I think uh they can decide that for example for every building that is more than let's say five stories uh they're going to have a second eye uh you know from another structural engineer take a look at it because i i don't know that l and i or any jurisdiction has the resources the time to look at every nitty gritty detail of a structural drawing to make sure that that structure is not going to uh, collapse. I mean, they do look at it, they do look at things. There are many stable structures, many, many stable structures that we have. But you know, you have one or two and they collapse, they cost 
quite a bit of calamity here. I mean, and, and so that, you know, how do we stop that without having to penalize people that are doing the, their job well right now? But in terms of Philadelphia, I believe that inspections, uh, that will help too. I mean, if you're inspecting buildings every 10, 15 years, then guess what? You know, the people that own or manage that building are more apt to take care of problems when they first occur so that it don't become, you know, bigger issues later on down the line. Is there a way that the the quality of, of buildings in a city is rated? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, it just, you know, um, designs are done by different engineers. The uh, building itself is done by different types of contractors. So it's not universal at all. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a case yeah. by case. It's a case by case, yes. And, 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 go ahead. and one, one thing I will say, though, is that uh, in this course that I teach, you know, forensic structural engineering at Drexel, what I have found, what we found is that the mistakes or the failures that happen are not confined to what you might say, oh, that's not a good company or that's, there have been cases where reputable companies, uh, mistakes are not uh, just within, you know, just the sole purview of, of uh, firms that are not big or firms that are big. Anyone can make a mistake. I can make a mistake. You know, there both of the grace of God goes me. So uh, I believe that having some other eye, you know, check, you know, peer review uh, will keep us all humble and, and then also keep the structures safer. That's, you know, is it going to prevent all failures? I don't think so. I don't think that, you know, it's going to be foolproof, but at least it will limit it, I believe. And circling back to the investigation in Florida, how long do you think this will take? Because there's so much rubble, you have to be methodical, you're looking for for little clues. Uh, I think I heard they're going to be taking a lot of the rubble to an air, airline uh, hangar to you know, almost recreate yeah. in many cases. Yeah. I mean, is this something, are we talking months, year, years? Like, how long could this take? I think it could take up to a year. The Hyatt, uh, Kansas City Hyatt Regency collapse, uh, walkway collapse, took about 10 months, 10 months to about uh, a year. So, yeah, because they'll they have to recreate it, try to recreate it in a, in a you know, a big area. Uh, yeah, took, took up to that. Yeah, and this is a huge building. Hyatt Regency was just the walkways. It was just walkways, and that took 10 months. And this is a, you know, a huge building. And, you know, trying to find out, first of all, what precipitated the collapse? Where did it begin? If they can find that out. And were there other contributing factors that were already in the structure that were already taking place that then, you know, uh, aggravated or sort of heightened or helped uh, the collapse to go along? So, uh, because if you watch it, the center portion goes down, just goes down on itself. And then the northeast segment is teetering looking for what we call lateral support, shear walls, it did not find. There were none of those there. They, they, were, they were shot on shear walls, at least in the east-west direction, and also in the north-south direction. And so that comes, you know, uh, that segment comes down as well. But the question is, that center portion that went down, what brought it down? You know, what brought it down on itself in that manner? So they'll be looking at all of that. 
that's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.